Our gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we know that you have blessed us in so very many ways, and we have our hands and our minds. We have the opportunity to serve you with those, and we have our church members, a good group of them who have traveled quite a distance to go help a sister church to build a multi-purpose building that will be used to, for your glory and for your honor, that will be used to help spread the gospel and help minister in the community. And we pray for them, not only as you gave them a safe journey, but you will help them as they build. The weather will be hot and it will not be easy work, but we lift them up to you, Lord, that they will work together in service, in glory for Jesus Christ. And we pray for that sister church that you will bless their work and help them as they try to minister in the community and share the gospel and evangelize the needy and the people of the, of the community to help them know Christ. And we ask, Lord, that you will just give them strength as they do the work and then bring them safely back home so that we can rejoice with them in the work that is done for Jesus. Guide us in our worship time today and help us as we seek to serve you and to minister to our community as well. Help us to reach out and encourage others to come to know Christ as we evangelize and share with them the good news, the gospel message. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen, amen. Well, today is Father's Day. And it's usually a time for dad to make up corny jokes. I heard one this morning. I don't know how good it is. It's probably a, a real stinker. But he asked the question, What's, what, what do you call a broken boomerang? And the answer is a stick. Okay, I told you it's a corny dad joke. Dad jokes are, are corny, but we love our dads. And it's time to honor those. And as a matter of fact, what we want to do, we want to honor our fathers uh, as men who take care of their families, leaders in the community, and who are what we call visible. And we want to share with others what that means in the Lord as we are believers together in church. If you, you probably can tell me a bunch of other corny jokes after the service because I need to change mine and make sure. Either this is a tough house or I really didn't do very good on that joke. Anyway, you're, you guys are not quite there yet today. You know, I'm going, gosh, okay. All right, I'm going to read two verses out of Joshua, the book of Joshua. So go to the book of Joshua. It's in the Old Testament. Paul said the Old Testament was given as the oracles of God and for our instruction and for examples for us. And we're going to look at an example of a visible father, a visible father over against a disappearing father. We don't want to be a disappearing father. We want to be a visible father in our family, in our homes. So I'm actually going to read Joshua 24. I want you to read, follow along in verses 14 and 15. Now, before I do this, I want to tell you that the beginning of the chapter 24, 1 through 13, is all about the history of Israel. In other words, Joshua has told the people of Israel after they have gone into the promised land and after they had pretty much conquered any objection or any other army that could 
destroy them or make it difficult for them. They've gone in and they've killed or, or defeated those other armies. And they've allotted the land, as God said to do. Joshua's given everybody their portion. And now they're ready to start settling down. So he goes through the history that brought them up to this period. So you have to remember that it is the history of God's love for Israel and God's care for Israel, what God has done for Israel that brings Joshua to this point. And this is what he says in verse 14. Therefore, since God has done all these things, for example, in verse 13, God says, I gave you a land you did not labor for and cities you did not build. Though you live in them, you're eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. So all my gift, I'm giving it to you. Therefore, Joshua says in verse 14, fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity or integrity and faithfulness or truth. Get rid of the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? And then Joshua says this, as for me and my house or my family, we will worship the Lord, the Lord who gave them all of these things and brought them to this point. You know, I don't know exactly. We have a big argument today in our culture about gender, and I don't want to necessarily get into that, whether gender is established or fluid or whatever, and that's kind of not what we're going to talk about. That's kind of a little bit interesting, a little silly. But nevertheless, uh, I think that someone once said that there's about 50-50 between men and women. Maybe women have a little edge. Sorry, ladies. I don't know if that's good, or, good news or bad news, really. A few more women than men. And men you see out there a lot, sometimes in the workaday world, sometimes in sports, sometimes in other places. And you see women in the workaday world as well, but traditionally, we've always thought or we've kind of considered that the women are in the home, taking care of the family. In the role of parents, however, it seems to be that men have been considerably less visible than women. As a matter of fact, we have a problem in, in our culture that there's a disappearing male in the home. We have an increasing number of fatherless homes with children who don't know their fathers. The Bible presents as a model in Genesis the male and the female as building a home. And very creation, God said, therefore, for this reason, man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. And I've always understood the reference to one flesh, meaning the children that they have, because my children are part me and part my wife, and they are part of our family. But unfortunately, there are a lot of things that are striving to separate men from the home. And in the home, they've been 
less, less visible. Maybe they've been invisible because of divorce or separation. That does happen. Perhaps invisible because of excessive involvement in work and play. There's a song I remember about, uh, you know, my uh, son turned out exactly like me, not available. Can't talk to him. Uh, they may be invisible because they're absorbed in their job, sports, community projects, whatever. Or perhaps they're just out with the boys. And it leaves the family kind of under the care of the mother, who is excellent and wonderful in doing that. But the biblical model is a husband and a wife together. In marriage and in service and in developing and growing a family. Some men, unfortunately, may be invisible because they do not care to get involved in the responsibility of being a father. Unfortunately, this invisibility also seems to impact the spiritual development and encouragement of a family. It seems like many fathers are not interested. We actually suffer from a feminization of the church that's been written on recently, which basically says that women come to church, they keep the church going, and men have checked out, and they don't want to come. Maybe it's because we do, you know, kinds of services that don't encourage men to understand that Jesus was a, a, was a man's man. You know, he was a carpenter. He did things, and we haven't talked about the fact that being deeply spiritual or concerned for spiritual matters is the epitome of what it means to be a male as well. That men are supposed to be concerned about spirituality, but many fathers are not interested. They tell the mothers to send the kids um, to church, whatever church they want to go, and then they check out. And the mother assumes the responsibility for the religious training of the children. Sometimes she comes with the children. Sometimes they just drop them off at the church door. But the spiritual essence of life is serious. And I would almost say the key to life is getting to know the God who created us and gave us his son Jesus to die on the cross. It seems that our society is struggling with this because there are whole units of our society where the father has become invisible and disappeared. I hope that's not true in our church families, and I hope that we can change this and to make it different. One of the things that the Bible does is to give us examples, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. There are a lot of things in the Bible that we aren't supposed to do, and they're given there for us example of not to do. But there are some things that happen in there that are for our example and for our illustration and our training. One of those is to look at the individual by the name of Joshua. He's kind of an amazing guy. He went from being the personal assistant to the leader of Israel, a personal assistant to Moses to eventually the leader of Israel. He was certainly tuned in not only to how to defeat the people of the land, the promised land that God had given to Israel, he was a great military leader, very visible. 
But he was also a spiritual leader as well. There's one text in Exodus 33 where it says that Moses came down the mountain, but Joshua would not leave the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. And I think that's a little bit telling in terms of the character of Joshua, that Joshua wanted to stay there in the presence of the Lord. Moses went down to the people of Israel, but Joshua hung on with the Lord. And if you take a look at his career, you get the impression that he was also visible as a spiritual leader, not only in Israel, but also in his own home. So I would suggest this morning that what we could do is to take his life, what he said here in these two verses as a pattern, and then suggest that we ask the Lord as men, and here I want to talk more to the men, that we ask the Lord to help us to be that same kind of father who is visible in the spiritual walk of their families. That we don't give it away or we don't ignore it, but we actually do the work in yielding our hearts to Jesus Christ. It's not easy. No matter what the world says, and hold on to help our family grow in what matters for time and eternity. Because actually, is that not what is really important? Does it matter where you live? Does it matter how much money you have? Does it matter how much possessions you get? Or really does it matter that your children know the Lord? Your children connect with God. Your children work through and understand how God created us and what that means and how he loved us so much that he gave his son Jesus on the cross. And real life, real soul nourishment, real success in life, that matters, really comes through our connection with God. Not through the world, not through any other thing, because all of that is just an imperfect model, a knockoff, if you will. It's not the real thing. It's a reproduction of what life could be or maybe isn't really good when you follow other things than the real McCoy, Jesus Christ, than the real Father. And that's what fathers need to do to be able to understand how to lead their families in that way. So the first thing I want to say up there, number one, is that the visible father chooses. Now, we just said that they're at the end of their time of of taking the promised land and they're going to make a covenant and Joshua gives them a, a, a last words, a farewell address. And in that farewell address, he runs through the whole history in a nutshell of how they got to that point. And then in verse 14, he says, therefore, and he says, the bottom line is to fear the Lord with integrity and faithfulness. Do it. Don't Put away those other gods. Put away those other things. Put away those those knockoffs and those fake things that don't matter for time and eternity and hold on to what is real and what is eternal, and that is the Lord your God who gave you all these things and continues to promise that he will walk with us and bless us as we fear him and we serve him. And then in verse 15, he goes on and he says, um, 
if you don't, if it doesn't please you, if you don't really want to worship God, then what you need to do is you can't kick the can down the road and make the decision tomorrow or the next week. You're going to have to make the decision now. And so what happens is that he's challenging them to make a decision, to choose. What are you going to do? How are you going to do this? What are you going to do? No, you can't go home and sleep on it. No, you can't go watch the sports and come back to it later. You, right now, you've got to make this decision. And I want to show you that the visible father, the father who is involved in the spiritual development of their family, makes the decision. The visible father believes in a basic standard of morality and religious dedication. You're either going to serve the good stuff or you're going to serve the bad stuff. Whatever it is, you've got to make that decision. You can't just maybe wait. Too much is hanging on what you do here. You are now going, Joshua is telling the people of Israel, into these lands, into these houses. God gave them to you. What are you going to do with them? Before you get there, you got to choose. Because the choice you make is going to direct what happens. It's going to open the door for what comes next. It's going to set the stage for how you take and appropriate the blessings and the things that God, our God has given you. I want you, as we're going to find out, Joshua is saying, or he already did in, in the previous statement, he said, fear the Lord, fear him, and serve him. This is what you should do, fear him and serve him or worship him, same thing, serving him, worshiping him, in sincerity, integrity, and in faithfulness. It means your integrity isn't that you're opening the door to other options. You've closed the door to that, and you're choosing God, and then you're going to remain faithful to God. And that's what he's telling them to do. they got to choose. they got to choose. Joshua called for a decision. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. I don't think Joshua believed in making up the rules as you went along. A lot of people say that. Let's make up the rules as we go along. I once heard somebody say that this is our policy in a meeting, and then later I heard, overheard him saying to the secretary, you know, we got to write those down because we've already said there are policies. You can't make up the rules as you go along. You can't just wait and see what turns out. God is calling us to make a decision. Fathers, we need to decide whether we're going to have our children be raised in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Solomon said in Proverbs, instruction and wisdom. And choose this so that at least our family understands. Now, people say, well, my kids will make the decision when they grow up. Okay, maybe, but they got to know your decision. You have to be willing to tell them what your decision is. Joshua believed that there, was, that there needed to be a basic commitment and principle. Before they, before they even went into those houses, they had to have some principles. They had to have a basic commitment. Who are they going to serve? He recognized the need for far-reaching decisions on the national and home level, things that hadn't even come up yet. But you needed to make a decision how you would try to resolve them. 
and settle them in the circumstances and the situations that life throws at us. You may not get the chance to tell your children later, but you need to tell them now. You need to make this decision. We need to support and honor our fathers who understand like Joshua that there is a basic standard of faith in life. Do your children know what you believe? Have you talked to them about what you believe? We need to honor our fathers who made a commitment to Christ and who live by that commitment. We need to hold that up as the model. We need to honor our fathers who can distinguish between fa passing fads that come and go and eternal values that always exist. What, does, what matters for time and eternity? We need to honor our fathers who demand that basic ideals be adhered to in government and business and home. You can't have, uh, well, you can't sit on the fence and you can't have three or four different lives. God is calling us to make a decision. So Joshua made a decision. He said, I'm going to do something. This is going to be my decision. But he also challenged them to make a decision as well. I think that's important to be the father who helps lead the spiritual life in his family. But secondly, the visible father makes the wise decision. It may be unpopular. As a matter of fact, it must have been a pretty difficult thing for Joshua to stand up there and say, you've got to put away all these gods because they must have still been serving those gods. Why bring it up if they're not doing it? And Joshua must have seen them serving the gods of Egypt and the gods of the Amorites and all these other people. And he's trying to get them to understand, look, we're getting ready. We've just made a covenant with God. You can't have him and some other God. And it was not a popular decision. He didn't take his finger and stick it in his mouth and hold it up to see which way the wind was blowing. He based his judgment on what God had led him to do. Joshua was willing to take an unpopular stand. He said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. But, and this is a very strong but, but as for me, it's just very strong in the original language. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I consider, as far as who I am, I'm going to do this. You can do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to do this. Well, I don't really care if you like me or not. I don't really care if you snub me or not. I don't even care if you dock my pay or fire me. This is my decision, and I'm going to do it. His choice was already made. It wasn't dependent on peer pressure. His decision wasn't determined by, by majority vote. He was willing, if necessary, to stand alone. And folks, we're coming to a point in time in our history where the, the visible Christian man may indeed have to stand alone. There's a whole lot of pressures out there to conform to the standards of the world. As a matter of fact, if a man even goes to church, he's in the minority. Did you ever think of that? We don't have men who come to church and stand and work and serve and bring their families as much as it used to be. Maybe before it was just because of tradition, but it needs to be 
because that matters for time and eternity and families grow and mature and God blesses them when they're part of the church family and when they learn Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and they walk with him as disciples in the midst of a body of believers, a church family who tries very hard to seek the will of God and to do the will of God and to be the servant of God. There's too much pressure to conform to the standards of the world. I've seen a, co a commercial on TV with a bunch of men sitting around by a, by a lake and they're all swilling beer. I won't mention the brand and somebody comes on and says it doesn't get any better than this. Well, folks, if you believe that, I got a bridge. Happens to be in New York. I'd like to sell it to you. Life gets so much better than the physical things and the possessions and things that the world says we ought to strive for because life lived in Christ Jesus is the successful, true, and deeply satisfying thing that a man can do to walk with Jesus Christ as Lord. We need to support our fathers and non-fathers at the moment who are visible Christians. Um, and hold that up as a pattern to be emulated and followed as an example of Joshua who is willing to make the decision. He said, as for me, well, what was going to be for you, Joshua? Well, he chose, number three, for his family and himself. He was willing to understand that his family were his. Now, I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean that that makes him the dictator. And I think that for a father who is willing to serve the Lord, he talks to his wife and his children, and he helps to figure out and what to do. But ultimately, he has to make a choice. And he has to make a choice for the betterment of himself the deeper spiritual walk that he desperately needs. And he has to make a choice for the betterment of his family, his wife and his children, for the deeper spiritual life that they need. He doesn't make a religious decision for himself without including his family. He says, as for me and my house or in my family, he doesn't say, I will serve the Lord. He says, we will serve the Lord. We're going to make that choice that the Lord is going to be our God. Jesus is our Savior, and we're going to serve him. It doesn't mean that he becomes a dictator, but it means that he assumes a spiritual responsibility to help lead his family. In many families, this is left to the wife. In some families, it's left to the children. I know children who make it a point to badger their parents just to let them go to church. And if they, they don't get any help to go to church and they're left up their own ability to try and make it. So it's a wonder that any children show up at all. I think God has delegated spiritual responsibility to both parents, but at least God made man first. And he gave Adam the first commands, what to do, what not to do. I know, I've heard it said that God made man first for practice, and then when he got it down to a fine 
honed it down to a fine skill he made woman. I understand that. But God made man and woman to be together, to be a family, and he chose to make man first. He chose to make Adam first. Adam's responsibility is to be the, the leader. In my opinion, the biblical opinion is that man and woman are a family together, but men have to lead as well. I think that it was, it was Adam's mistake, by the way. It's called the silence of Adam, the interpretation in the Old Testament, which says Adam was standing right beside Eve when she took from the fruit of the tree and handed it to her, that he was there when the snake was talking to her, the serpent, and he said nothing. He didn't do anything to stop her. He just ate it. And he's just as guilty even more so than Eve for eating that forbidden fruit. We always like to say, well, Eve has to be cursed because she did it and she tricked Adam, but he wasn't tricked. He was standing right there. He let go of his responsibility at that moment to be the leader of the home. And men, we suffer from that problem since then. The visible father shows, us, shows what to do as well as teaches. And this is an important concept that he takes his family to church as well as sends them. We have too many kids that get dropped off. The fathers need to come. The mothers need to come. The father makes a personal commitment and then invites others to follow. The reason why uh, Joshua was saying, as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord was because he wanted other people to take that as a good thing to do. Come and do the same. Choose the Lord. Me and my family's going to do it. Why don't you do it? The visible father understands that the personal commitment helps others to see where he stands, what he's going to do. He makes every effort to be at home with his wife and children, leading them, and guiding them and counseling them, not just in physical matters, business matters, matters of education, but especially in matters of spiritual needs. The Father, we need to get over our self-centeredness, and we need to get over the idea that if we want to be macho, we have to do everything ourselves. We need to choose to serve the Lord. We need to choose to ask Jesus to be our Savior and to follow him. We need to choose Christ Jesus to be disciples of Jesus, learn from him, learn and be taught from him, and then to apply that teachings in the home. I think that's one of the most important things of all to do, to be a visible father who cares about the spiritual blessings and benefits and growth of our family. Now, like I said earlier, it's kind of interesting that Joshua went from just being a personal assistant to being the leader of Israel. He was a military guy. He fought. He was no wimp. He was no sissy. He knew what was life was about, and he fought, and he did the things that helped God bless Israel because he followed God's leadership. He followed what God wanted him to do. What do you think, and it amazes me, 
that Joshua is standing there, and they're outside Jericho, and the people are saying, let's go get him. Come on, Joshua, let's go. And Joshua says, no, you know, we just need to march around it. Are you scared, Joshua? Well, we're going to march around it, blow the trumpets, and then that's, that's it. What? Seven days, I think, they did that. And then on the seventh day, they blew it seven times, right? And the truth of the matter is, Joshua didn't fight the battle of Jericho, much like the song sings. He didn't do it at all. God did it. And the kind of interesting thing about that is that if we follow God's leadership, God, men, God does it for us. You know, we get all worried about it. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, let's trust the Lord. Let's serve him completely with integrity. That's what he said up there in verse 14. Fear the Lord. And the worship in the, in the uh, Christian Standard Bible is actually the word serve him. And, and it's connecting there to verse 15 where he says, choose this, you this day who you will serve. Because service means worship, following, making him leader, making God leader. And he says, serve or worship the Lord with, with integrity, you know, completeness. That's what it means. And also with reliability. I know it says faithfulness maybe here in truth. What does it say in sincerity and truth? But that word true means being true blue, being reliable, you know. You don't, in fact, the men, we don't have the truth all the time. So we're far from knowing everything. You know, fathers are supposed to know a lot, but we don't always know everything, but we need to know the God who does know and follow the Savior who does teach us. So we want to honor our fathers who are visible, and we want to thank them and bless them and give them honor. But let's also, men, try to follow Joshua's example, I think, and make a decision. Who will we serve? As for me and my house, we, that's what Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. And I hope that that's what we together will do here on Father's Day. We're going to ask our musicians to come forward. And we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Jesus, keep me near the cross. And I'm going to challenge you men right where you are to make a decision. Will you rededicate your heart to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose for you. And make that commitment to help your family grow and mature and deepen spiritually where you are. Maybe you need to come forward and, and join our church. So we receive church members. Maybe you just need to come and find out what the scriptures say about knowing Jesus and we'll give you the opportunity to go to another room with a deacon and open up the scriptures and show you what it says. Not going to make you do anything except read and study what it says of how to be the, the father that seeks to serve Jesus with Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you just want to come and rededicate your life. That's okay. Or just sing this song to Jesus. It's okay. Let's stand and sing. Jesus, keep me near the cross.